0: After the game, uh, Francis Fournier said this, they're better individually, but they can be beaten as a team. sh shady uh, I joke. There you have it. Team USA. Hey, welcome back to Not Your Weekly Sports Pod. We've got a contentious episode here, and by we, I mean me. Your boy Vol is joining you on a solo pod here to talk about Team USA. What exactly is going on? how people are reacting, and more importantly, I think, how we should be reacting to the circumstances laid out before us with this historically bad Team USA Olympic performance. So thanks for joining me here, guys. I just haven't seen a lot of reactions or content with this summer's Team USA over in Tokyo, this Olympic team that we formed, that we've kind of put together last minute, uh, uncharacteristically so of the last decade of USA Basketball, which we can talk about. But you've all heard it. You know, this is the first loss in group stage in 17 years for Team USA Basketball. They haven't lost in group stage since the famous 2004 team. That strange team, you know, that ended up winning bronze in the Olympics in 2004 in Athens. But that strange team that had Allen Iverson, Tim Duncan... Uh, You know, Baby Braun, Baby Wade, Baby Mellow. none of those guys played because, you know, Larry Brown, notoriously known for not giving young guys playing time, was head coaching that team before the Shashevsky era that started really with the 06 FIBA team. So first loss in this group stage, this is the most losses they've had in a calendar year ever, now having lost three games essentially in the last couple of weeks. And there's a lot of questions up in the air, guys questions including you know is this a product of Greg Popovich you know is there another conversation that we need to have regarding Greg Popovich and his his place in the grand scheme of you know the mount rushmore of all-time coaches is this just simply a case of talent catching up to the US you know it's no secret that international talent has spiked since the 90s and exponentially so in the la- in the recent 4 to 8 year stretch relative to anything we've seen in the early 2000s. Is this simply an explanation of that? Is it a question of team makeup, right? This is an awkwardly constructed team more so than any team we've seen other than maybe the 2019 FIBA team. Uh, but is that the case? And I'm gonna address a few of those things. So we'll start with Greg Popovich, we'll work our way down the line, we'll talk about this Team USA blunder that we've seen so far and what we can expect going forward. But first thing first, man, As a Houston Rockets fan, and I'm sure as a fan of whatever NBA team you are, you're used to being on the other side of this conversation of Greg Popovich. Rather than talking about his faults, you're used to hearing Greg Popovich pick out and cerebrally assassinate every fault of your team and franchise over the course of a decade like we saw as Houston Rockets fans. So now the question about Popovich has become, you know, are his tactics, are the players not responding to his tactics? Um, you know, in 2019, Team USA went over to the FIBA World Championships and put on the worst finish, the, the only non-top-three finish ever that we can remember. And Greg Popovich was at the helm for that team. Right? Greg Popovich in San Antonio as of late. Since Kawhi's left, what's been, you know, the stamp of success there for a team that apparently is rebuilding but is kind of stuck in no man's land? And now with this team, a team filled with all-stars, only one all-NBA guy in Damian Lillard, and then probably the second best basketball player in the world and Kevin Durant as well, simply not an all-NBA player because games missed due to injury. Now he's got this team losing three games, two exhibition friendlies, which no one freak, we freaked out about, but no one was holding that against him. And then the first game of your opening stage, you can't lose another one of these games or else you're out. You're not going to the, the next round of the Olympics. And so the question is, is this on Greg Popovich? And I really got to defend Greg Popovich here. I don't think the average basketball fan, understands the level of spoiled that we were essentially from 2006 all the way to 2014, greater part of a decade. To have committed to your country, essentially five of the probably seven or eight basketball players in the world for eight straight years to your international program who are going to be practicing in the summer, who are committed to be on the rosters, and are also the best players in the world making these commitments, who get continuity with each other, really since 2004 if we're talking about four of these guys. And let's name those guys. You got LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, all played together, all practiced together in 2004 and committed To that Team USA product in 2006 when Colangelo took over, put Mike Shashevsky at the helm, and really committed to rebuilding the entire brand that was Team USA basketball. And so added to those three guys, you've got Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, and Chris Paul. Essentially, I just named probably six of the best 10 players in the NBA for about 10 straight years in their primes, all playing together, all having chemistry together, and all committing to this team. And even with all of that, even with the legendary Mike Krzyzewski, they still lost in 2006 before Kobe Bryant joined the team. They damn near lost in 2008 in the gold medal game to Spain. You know, the Gasol bros were right there with them all the way up until that fourth quarter. Rudy Fernandez led a fourth quarter comeback, and then Kobe Bryant shut things down. He went, transformed into the Mamba himself. So we were spoiled with the level of talent that we were given. And now you look at this USA team that Greg Popovich has given. First of all, it's a USA team that's makeup is totally different year in, year out. There's no continuity, especially at the top. You know, if at least at the bare minimum, your most talented guys are coming back, you can work with that as a head coach. Who was his most talented guy in 2019? Campbell Walker, Donovan Mitchell. And now you've got Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant. Oh, and by the way, Devin Booker just got off the plane from playing in the NBA finals with the guys he played against in Middleton and Drew Holiday also joining him. You got to work them in. So, tough, tough job for Popovich to do with those circumstances. And then you add to the fact that, you know, we did a top 10 player podcast recently. And just to go one through 10 in this particular order, think about how many of these guys are American players and how many of them are in these Olympics. Giannis KD LeBron, Harden Steph Kawhi. Jokic, Luka, Embiid, and Dame. Y'all, the top 10 American, or rather in the top 10 players list, six of them are American players. And of those six, only two of them are there in Dame and KD. You have no LeBron, no Harden, no Steph, no Kawhi. you probably throw AD in there because he'd be your starting center. And so essentially the starting lineup of your national team is not playing due to injury or other circumstances and somehow the weight of all this falls on you as the head coach, I'm not buying it. So all my San Antonio people that I formed a camaraderie with, a competitive, healthy relationship with as sports fans, I'm standing up for y'all here. Greg Popovich, no, you're not taking the heat for this. So let's move on. Next up, we talk about the, you know, the talent catching up here. And that's certainly a big question. Or It's a good talking point, I think, when you want to try to explain what's happened over the last few years with the disparity in talent or the disparity in scores that we see from Team USA. You know, it's 2012 and 2014 and 2016. We were still blowing teams out pretty, pretty regularly. You know, the average score... wasn't that far off from game to game. You'd have a few competitive games, like in 2016, Serbia was pretty close to us. France was actually competitive. And then, you know, 2014, nobody was. That team was godly. It's one of the, one of the FIBA teams that doesn't get talked about enough with Harden, Curry, Clay, uh, <laughs> You know, former Houston Rockets rim runner Kenneth Fareed being the lob guy in that offense. Really fun team that gets lost in the history of things. But as far as talent catching up to us, y'all, the Team USA, I think it was in 2012. Might have been 2008. I can't remember which one. They broke the, world, the record in international play for scoring in a game versus Nigeria. And I remember watching that game. Nigeria had like a couple of pro guys. I think Ike Diagu, a big man formerly of the Warriors, bounced around the league, never really was the first-round pick projection that we thought he would be. And another guy, I can't remember his name, but not a superstar-level player. This Nigeria team that we just saw looked like a team with not only a few NBA guys, but international guys who could easily play a role on an NBA team or a G League team at the minimum. And that just goes to show you, man, the talent on these international teams, all these college prospects, all these college guys who don't get a shot at the pros start to fill out these rosters and it's more accessible for them to fill out because of the nature of the world, social media, marketing yourself, getting your tape out there to programs who otherwise would have no way to see you. And so there definitely is a talent surplus and A much smaller gap in terms of talent makeup between these teams, but let's not get it twisted. This is Team USA still you know, of the 12 guys on their roster they probably have 12 of the best 20 to 30 players in this entire tournament. So talent's catching up sure, but more than anything, this is a product of this team coming together on the fly and you know, not having Enough talent to get away with just putting a team together and throwing the product out there against programs, against teams with professional guys, you know, guys who can very easily make a 12-man roster in the NBA, or like I said, a G League roster, or be competitive in an NBA game, who also have the added benefit of continuity, practice, reps, chemistry, knowing each other's tendencies, guys you've grown up playing with. And we're seeing that before our very eyes, particularly so in those exhibition games. Just because of the nature of this NBA season, there was no time for the team to get together, to have practices, to have the same group of guys in the gym together for at least a couple weeks. And when the talent level has catching up to, to a certain meter, at least, to a certain point, where you can't get away with that anymore. Unless, again, as I mentioned before, you've got, say, LeBron James, Steph Curry, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, and Anthony Davis as your starting five. Then you probably got a chance. Oh, and by the way, maybe sub out James Harden, throw KD in there, have James Harden as your sixth man like those OKC teams. That's dirty. That could maybe get it done. So I'm not buying the talent's caught up narrative, but the talent's definitely caught up enough to where you just can't get away with throwing a group of guys out there who are honestly, too, playing roles that they've never been asked to play before in their careers. One of the things about that 2008 team that was so remarkable to study, having watched a lot of their games for another one of our recent podcasts, is the number one thing that stands out about them when you watch their full game tapes is they expend all their, their offense was ugly in the half court. And the reason for that is they expend so much energy on the defensive end, taking pride in full court pickups, traps at half court, straight up taking guys cookies and that leading to a large portion of their offense in the fast breaks. And then in the half court, hey, Jason Kidd, Chris Paul, you guys facilitate and create a little offensive set for us. Oh, and by the way, we've got maybe the greatest scorer of this generation and Kobe Bryant in his prime to give us buckets if we need a bailout. But man, I don't know. That's tough. Talent catching up to them. How about the team makeup? Let's touch on that for a second here. Team makeup, this is definitely an awkwardly put together team. You know, a lot of guys in the six foot three to six foot eight, six foot nine range, no true legitimate big man, even Bam Adebayo's on the smaller side for a big man. And we're talking about a team historically who's had Anthony Davis manning down the center spot, Dwight Howard in 2008, Chris Bosch giving you a little small ball, Amari Stoudemeyer. Bam Adebayo, although he is a top big man in today's NBA, he's not one of the two or three best centers in basketball. That honor goes to Joel Embiid. That honor goes to Nikola Jokic. And so you're dealing with that as well. You know, your weakest position, you still don't have one of the top guys in the league there. So that's definitely a part of it as well, but again... (laughs) This team, if you were to play them in an NBA season, automatically this Team USA is the favorite to win the championship, right? So you can't use that as an excuse. You still have all-star level talent at every position and you have unicorns like a six-foot-ten Kevin Durant to throw out in whatever versatile lineup you want. So I'm not sure about that. It's awkward, but... You're the favorites to win a championship in an NBA franchise. So against international talent, come on. So I've said this a million times already. The issue here is chemistry, guys. Prediction-wise, they're only going to get better the more games they play with each other. And they're going to play Iran coming up here on Wednesday. And the talent level certainly goes down until they get to the tournament rounds. But they can't lose another game, and I don't think they're going to. I think they're finally going to get some reps together. You finally have some semblance of a rotation. Get reps. Hope it naturally comes together. You know, NBA guys with top-end IQs on a basketball court together, things don't take forever to gel, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out, let alone who I think is the greatest head coach in NBA history, and Greg Popovich. So prediction, USA wins gold. I think they're going undefeated from this point on. You still have the second-best basketball player in the world in Kevin Durant leading this team. You still have top-end talent at every position. Damian Lillard is a top-end point guard. Devin Booker is a top-end shooting guard. Bam Adebayo is still a top-end center. And then every other position, the wings, we don't even need to get into. All-stars down the line. So... They're going to win gold. I think we're panicking a little bit, but we're past the era where we have the absolute best players in the world at every single position, every single year, and our best guys are going to be committed to us during their primes because it's a challenge given to them by the best at their positions and LeBron and Kobe during that 2006 to 2012 stretch. So it's going to be in a bit of an adjustment for us as fans, but be patient. I think they're going to get it together, and they're going to look like Team USA again to close this tournament out. Until then, keep watching, if you can, <laughs> if the games aren't on Peacock or on at like 5 in the morning, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Catch us next time on Not Your Weekly Sports Pod.